Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with former teacher and literacy consultant Andrea Haas. With over two decades of experience in education and a desire to keep teachers in the profession, she found Elm Tree Education. It is dedicated to providing accessible, ongoing online professional development customized to meet the diverse needs of students. She is a nationally board certified teacher in literacy, has an extensive background in designing professional development programs for teachers and mentoring educators. Her unwavering passion lies in literacy instruction, particularly in cultivating practices that embrace the whole child and prioritize cultural responsiveness and inclusivity. We get into a lot in this interview. Enjoy. Well, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I want to begin our conversation with surviving, speaking of a massive deluge of snow, surviving the last three and a half years of a pandemic. How did you get through it and how did it change you? Um, oh, yeah, that's a good big question. So I'll say that before, uh, right before the pandemic, that school year, the 2019 2020 school year, um, I was in a position where I was mentoring first and second year teachers. And I'd been doing that for several years. And I, um, I'm the kind of person who, uh, once, I get kind of like a five-year itch. Like, so I sort of kind of like need a new challenge or need something new to do. And I'm not going to say I ever master anything, but it's just like once something feels like it becomes a little too automatic, I'm like, okay, like what's my next, what's my next step? And I knew I did not want to be an administrator. Like I know that with all my heart that I don't want to do that. Um, so I, it was so funny because I was starting to feel kind of antsy and like, okay, maybe I should be looking for something else. I don't know what it would be, whatever. And then uh, March, 2020 hit. And I was in a school district that was one of the first to shut down because we are just miles away from the first um, adult care home, adult care facility where it first really like broke out. And our superintendent at the time was the first one to say like, we got to shut it down. Like we got to, we got to stop school. So we were really on like the forefront of doing that. You know, and there was other school districts in other parts of the country that waited, you know, a couple, several weeks later after us before it really like had spread that far. And um, I remember a colleague of mine who knew that I was kind of thinking about maybe trying to do something else the following year was like, uh, is this a big enough challenge for you, Andrea, like <laughs> to do online teaching? <laughs> and so, um, and personally, I, at the time I had a two-year-old and yeah. I had a first grader and, you know, Uh, We had thankfully just moved into a bigger house, so we had a little bit more space to spread out. But like trying to mentor teachers who are already new to the profession, who had just gotten used to like, what is it like to teach in person? We're told to like, like just completely switch. Yep. And, you know, leading those folks through that was tough. I will say the newer, younger teachers probably had a little easier time with the technology part. Um, but it still had all these challenges, you know, it's just so hard. Like you couldn't control anything. Kids could be logged in, but not even there. Um, you know, you, you really couldn't tell if anybody was like, you just can't see the writing. Like you couldn't see stuff. You, the, the, the part about teaching that is so key is that you building the relationships and people started to feel like they were disconnected from their kids. And then that caused all sorts, I mean, just everybody, like the whole thing, obviously, I mean, everybody lived through it. So they know what it was like for them personally, but I think in education, you know, um, it was just so hard. And uh, I was trying to juggle 
being at home, trying to still help people through it while I'm still dealing with it myself. And then I have, you know, a two-year-old on my lap while I'm having a meeting with a teacher because I don't really have anything else to do. (laughs) You can't go anywhere else. My husband and I would like switch him back and forth. He got to like, I remember that like he actually knew the names of some of um, my husband's coworkers because of the, you know, the Zoom screen. He, you know, he'd be like, hi, Becky. Yeah. (laughs) So all those things. So, um, so yeah. And honestly, when we went back in person, we didn't even really go. That's another bit too, like that we were pretty conservative, conservative in our district. And uh, we went back in person, but they were like, small like half the class size would come on one day the other half of the class would come on another day and then the other kids were at home supposed to be doing kind of like independent learning what does that look like for a kindergartner (laughs) you know all these things there it was just so tough and um and so there was all of that and then when we were in person we had a lot of protocols in place uh we were used to having kids elementary school age kids come to the carpet and listen to a story and we couldn't do that anymore because that would have been too close. That wasn't socially distant. So, so they had to stay at their desks all day. They had to separate, like they couldn't eat lunch next to each other. I mean, there was just all sorts of things and everybody's wearing a mask. You can't see facial expressions. I also think it was incredibly hard to teach letter sounds to kids when they can't see your mouth move. Yeah, <laughs> You know, there's just like all that. There was just so many things that were so hard and it just didn't feel, it didn't feel, it still didn't feel right. Like we still weren't like back. And, um, I was starting to feel it. I was just starting to feel the stress. I was starting to feel like the compassion fatigue. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, like, again, show up for everybody else while I was still doing my, doing my own stuff. And, um, yeah, the, I, I just got to a point also where I had gotten some blood work back and I was like, Oh geez, like I am not taking care of my health. And, um, so I ended up taking off, um, some time. Like I, I kind of went down to a part-time hours for the rest of that school year. And then um, last, the, just last school year, I decided to take a whole leave of absence for the whole year and try to figure out what was I going to do because I was just so unsettled. Like, and, um, and yeah, and then that completely has changed the trajectory of what, of what I'm doing um, in a great way, what I'm excited about, but I would have never, ever predicted in the middle of all that mess, this is where I'd be today, owning my own literacy coaching and consulting business and uh, supporting teachers online and not working for a school district. And like, you know, none of that. I would have never, ever, ever predicted it. But um, as I'm here, I it, it's the right place for me. It's it's where I should be. You know, I'm an IT technician for a large school district up here. So I'm, I, I live it all the time. My wife's a fifth grade teacher. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I see all of this and I see how it's shaped and modeled everything. And it's, I think it's been, uh, I think what's happening in education is the level of stress that still hasn't been addressed, even with the yeah. kids is turning in an, into an epidemic because there's still these standards. And since our bell was wrong, I think we're starting to realize these standards are just smoke to get more funding, but there's more, depth that needs to be hit with these kids there's a more Mm -hmm. cerebral way of delivering information 
in a way that's going to be appeasing to them and making teachers want to stay around. And until there is a cognizance of that happening, there's going to be levels of burnout. There's going to be levels like we see at fast food restaurants now where they can't hire anybody, where teachers are literally going to get to a point where it's like, this is something in the pre-2020 that was ideal. But in this era right now, it's really hard to kind of comply and go with that. I think going into next year, since we've kind of been in this cycle of being back, it'll be interesting to see what the national numbers are. But I think we're, I mean, even the kids, I mean, their maturity levels and all of these things got stunted yeah. for two and a half, three years. And even though they're, say, in the fifth grade, they're still operating on a third grade level. So how do you squeeze them through this timeline? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, exactly. th that's a whole other thing. But I'm curious where you're at, if we were to put you in front of a bunch of third graders and it's career day and one of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them about what you do now? Um, so the phrase I used to use with kids, I think that was a good when I was mentoring and I'll consider to still use that now is that I am a teacher coach. I said, just like you have a baseball coach or a basketball coach, like I'm a coach for teachers and, you know, we all need coaches and when teachers get done with college and become a teacher, that doesn't mean they're done learning. Just like you, we're always learning. And um, so I am here for support for teachers. And so now I guess the caveat I'd add to that is that now I'm doing it online so that I can be accessible to more teachers. And um, I also think what you had just said about uh, the stress, I think there was stress before and it just like put, you know, gasoline on that fire, you know, and um Part of my mission is to keep the good teachers in the profession and not leave. And I and I think um, I know for me and my in the way that I approach education is um, I, I've got to be learning and growing. And I think because of budget cuts, because of mandates, because of, um, like you said, kids who, you know, they lost a lot of social skills time. They still haven't really recovered from their own trauma of the experience and we just keep going on like, okay, now we're back to normal, you know, and, and not addressing all those things. I think that's, that, that's the problem. Teachers need to be feeling like they are learning and growing and being supported and adapting to the, to the new normal and to the, you know, like all of these things. And they really aren't because there's just right. nobody to do the work. Like yeah. there's nobody to do that for them. Um, and everybody's feeling the pressure even yeah. from the top down so um it just kind of permeates everything so yeah. I, obviously when i would not say that to third graders but <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. yeah we segued out into adult conversation so yeah let me ask you this what did you want to be in the third grade what was your dream you know what's so funny is that i don't think i really knew i i mean i i think at that about that time i thought maybe i would be a teacher but by the time that i was in high school i w wasn't really sure and i had the opportunity um if you had enough credits your senior year, you could go and volunteer in another classroom and be, they called it a cadet aide. Yeah. And um, I was uh, assigned to a kindergarten teacher. And I remember, you know, she was just having me do some stuff like work with the kids and like quiz them if they knew their letter names and sounds and that kind of, you know, some kind of like really basic things and helping out with projects and, you know, the kind of the play of stuff that they were doing and, and art and all those things. Um, but I just really remember this light bulb moment for me of like, hey, I think I'm good at this. 
and I like this and I love this idea of getting kids set off on the right foot, like especially kindergarten. Um, and so that's when I really decided again, again, I think, you know, when, when you're an elementary school girl who loves learning, loves reading, it's pretty successful. And you see this teacher that's, that it's not super uncommon that you want to be a teacher when you grow up. I, I feel like that's kind of like a somewhat of a, you know, just like maybe boys are saying like, I want to be a firefighter or whatever, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. the, just kind of the things that are in your world that, you know, right. You know, and you can't see any possibilities outside of anything that, that you don't already know. Um, but yeah, it was really that senior year in high school. Where I was like, Oh, okay. Now I know where I like, that's, that's it. That's my path. I've got Light it. Went off. Yeah. So yeah. who's been a hero for you in your life? Oh, so many. Um, I think that, uh, some of the p most pivotal people, like when I look back and I think about kind of just how my trajectory has gone, um, I do think there have been some really important teachers in my life. And uh, I think I was really fortunate, again, like that I didn't struggle, that I, you know, school kind of came easy to me. And I know what it's like, you know, having been a teacher and especially um, uh, for part of my time, I was a special ed teacher. Um, so just kind of being in that world and understanding and empathizing with what families and kids are, are struggling with with that. Um, I think that I also hadn't expected that I was going to do special ed either when I went to school, I just was going to be a kindergarten teacher, you know, or whatever. And there, it was a, I was going to get a minor in special education. And then I realized, oh, it's like nine more credits and some more student teaching. I might as well make it a double major you know, whatever. Well, I got really involved with the special ed department. In fact, um, one of my professors, um, I still keep in touch with, we still send Christmas cards to each other um, all these years later. Um, but he was trying to disseminate some research and do it in a way that would be user-friendly to teachers. And so he wanted someone who was new to the profession to be able to like say like, I don't know what this means. Like if you say this in this, you know, in your resource, like I'm not going to be able to understand what that, you know, that's talking yeah. about. And I got to present at national level conferences, uh, the student oh. at the Council for Exceptional Children conference with him. I got to travel to uh, Michigan State University, one of his mentors. We were I now I can't remember why, why we were checking in with her there, but we were doing something there and and people were like, wait, you're just an undergrad. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, OK, You know, because I feel like, you know, those opportunities were ones that most undergrads wouldn't get. And so I just feel like I've been super lucky. I've had some great, um, I've had some really great administrators who I admire so much, who I just think are really smart people, go about it the right way. Um, you know, they come from the human side first, but they still have, you know, high expectations for you, just like a good teacher would. And um, yeah, so I think for me, it's just, it's all those great leaders that I've had and professors administrators, just people who are doing some pretty amazing things in education. And that's maybe why I realized, okay, I could do something like what I'm doing now, because like, like, you know, I learned from these awesome, smart people who like know their stuff and it's attainable for me. So if you can meet one person alive on the planet right now, who you find inspirational, who would it be? Who'd you love to meet and talk to? That's a good question. Let's see. 
it's funny because the, the first the, <laughs> the first person I think that I that came to mind has nothing to do with teaching, but uh, nothing to do with education. But I have been for so long. I have been a huge Dave Matthews fan for like my entire life. <laughs> so the first person that came to me is actually him, which ironically, he lives in sort of the area that I live in, but I've never run into him. Yeah. Um, but I feel like his story, uh, I mean, I love that music and I love that band, but also just like he has been working like so hard for so long, like touring most of the year. You yeah. know, and I just, I, it's just, it's curious to me, like, you know, I have a hard time sometimes just being like present for my kids and juggling, you know, being the working mom and like somebody who's like on tour for, you know, so many months of the year and he's got children. Like, yeah. how does that work out? Like, uh -huh. how does that work? Yeah. You know, do you have a supportive spouse? Like what happened? You know, like, I'm sure she does, but like, you know, just all just like, and the experiences that he would have had and all the people that he's met and, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like he's got a persona on stage. It's kind of like goofy and a little bit silly. Um, so I'd, I'd be curious to see, is that like his stage persona or is that like just him all the time? Like, is yeah. he just kind of like a goofball all the time? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen him live a few times. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, his shows are always high energy. And um, I actually have interviewed the uh, saxophone player in the band, Jeff Coffin. He's a wonderful <gasps> cat. Yes. Yeah. yeah he's oh, cool. He, He's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's firmly in the jazz scene and I have a jazz radio yeah. show. So yeah, he's, he's, he's always really engaging and they just seem like the really grounded people. And that drummer in that band is like so not even harder. from this planet. Like it's oh crazy. My he's I just... know my, hu my husband is a drummer and I, there's sometimes where I look at him and I go, Are you, could you even like imagine? He's like, no, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, but look at all the things also, but also look at like, just like his whole setup and he's got like a camera on, like they have a uh -huh. camera on him to yep. like watch him and all that stuff. So yeah, I just feel like if I even had like a pinky's worth of that talent, yeah, I think I'd be pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know? You know? So in your realm of being in, in literacy, what was the book in your life that made the most profound impact, whether it made you want to read more or it just moved you and re you revisit it. What's that book for you? Uh, it's Anna Green Gables actually. Okay. Okay. I love that story. Um, and it's funny because like, uh, it, it's, it's not necessarily an easy read because of language time period. Mm -hmm. Like you got to kind of understand quite a, th quite a few things, but I don't know. There was just something about like her and her, like her gumption, you know, as a character and just like the world that, um, Lucy uh, Mom Montgomery like creates like just to like I don't know just like the, just those characters and just how they just have so many really unique traits and then how they interact as humans and there's like how the story keeps going on as you keep like reading like the, the other books but but even just that first book like I don't know just this idea of you know you can find a family that's maybe not your blood relatives. Like you can kind of have a found family and come together and, you know, stand up for each other, but you also like can accept people for who they are. I mean, there's just so many themes in that book, but um, that's one that I feel like I've come back to time and time again. Of course I'm an Austin fan. So like, I love the pride and prejudice and sensibility. Yeah. I mean, all of those, but, um, but it, 
and Green Gables came first. So, so what's the best advice you've ever gotten? I think for me, um, it's that whole idea of doing it even if you're scared, doing it even if it's not perfect, which is very hard for my natural tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I, uh, I usually gravitate towards a perfectionism side of things. And, um, but that I think because I have seen the payoff of when that's happened, you know, I've made some big leaps and I've made some big jumps and, um, you know, I've been able to trust myself that it was going to, it's going to be okay. And I can always, change course and nothing that I, nothing about these were were like permanent situations either yeah. um but yeah just that like sometimes you have to do things even when you are scared to do it yeah because if you don't like you probably will never if you wait until you are ready you're never going to do it yeah for sure so yeah. let me ask you this what's the best success story you've been involved with as a consultant um i think that uh it's the teach the, the what's coming to mind automatically for me is the teacher that um that I've been working with that was just really having a hard time reaching one particular child. Um, this child, uh, you know, had some things going on, obvious and as they all do, but there was a lot going on in this child's life, and um, he hadn't really been in a place where school felt very successful for him. And so, um, rightfully so, he was disengaged and, you know, and there was, there was a lot there, but I think one of the things that, um, she found was he told her, um, I don't like reading and you're never going to get me to read, you know, like just kind of like a flat out, like it's not going to happen, you know, yeah. and here's this like 10 year old kid telling her that. And, and, and so she, I just kind of remember us having that conversation and I said, well, there's there's a story there there's some you know like a kid doesn't get to this point and say that without there being like a story and you kind of already know a little bit about this child um but i think it's time for you to get a little curious be a scientist and ask some questions and you know make some hypotheses and try some things out but um but start with the human element the building of the relationship part and just you know find out like what do they think reading is or it is not, or, um, you know, what is it about reading that makes them want to say no way, uh, you yeah. know, and all those kinds of things. And honestly, she had a, she ended up having a conversation with that child. And then through her conversation, um, she found out that, oh, you know, a couple years ago when his teacher had read aloud, uh, Kate DiCamillo book for, for a read aloud, I think it was because of one Dixie. I'm not sure it might've been another one, but, um, that, you know, I really, I did like that book. I did enjoy that book. And so she, so she said, Hey, well, what if we like reread that book together? Cause you liked it, you know, so much. What if we read it together? You know, had our own little book club, of, you know, kind of thing is kind of what she was getting at. And that was her end. That was it, you know? And I think that there's times where as teachers, we have to do more listening yeah, and less talking. And she got there and I just, that, you know, now, you know, this 
child's taken off and is reading more graphic, no you know, other things, you know, great graphic novels. But yeah, long he's long gone of the you're never going to make me read, you know. Of that, course. That, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I doubt she's brought that up again. Like, hey, remember when you said you I you, I wasn't ever going to be able to get you to read? Looks like you're reading now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it just, you know, just the joy for her in, in reaching that child and that my coaching uh, her through that. Um, that's, you know, that's also my why, like just the impact that I can have, because that one teacher has her 25 kids. And if she learned some things from me, she's going to, you know, maybe have 25, year, you know, 25 kids again and 25 kids again. And if I work with even 10 teachers a year and they all have their 25 kids and that like, then what, the, what is that ripple effect and that impact? And that's what, you know, gets me excited. Like that I can, I can make a difference for that large of a scale um, versus just, you know, a few kids in front of me, but like sure. many, 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 many hundreds of kids. Absolutely. So of all of the things that you've done and become at this point, what are you the proudest of? Well, uh, being a mom. <laughs> sure. So I think that um, I don't, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing with me because I'm not sure if I became a better mom because I was a teacher or a better teacher when I became a mom. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, but I think there is just some power with the fact that because we have focused, we have focused more in the last decade on social emotional learning in schools. We have like that has been brought in. Is it enough for all the mental health needs? No, but there has been, you know, all of these initiatives to try to get kids to understand bullying and the dangers of bullying, especially with in the age of social media and cyberbullying and, you know, all those, those things. Um, and, you know, what is it like to really regulate your feelings, your strong emotions, those kinds of things. So I think because I had some of that, like that I was learning some of that to be able to teach students in front of me, um, now, when I interact with my own children, um, I'm trying to instill some emotional intelligence with them, of, yeah. you know, like recognizing those emotions. And, um, you know, and that this is not uh, anything to say against my parents, but that was not my upbringing at all. Right. We didn't we didn't talk about <laughs> our emotions or, yeah. you know or work our way through them. And I feel I feel really good about that. I feel feel like I'm creating some really empathetic kids. And um, we know from the research that honestly, empathy is like one of the biggest predictors of people making friends and being happy. Yeah, like, that's it. So I feel good about that. I feel yeah. good that I'm putting out two tiny humans that at least are going to approach people with kindness and empathy. For sure. Walk in the world. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, your clients, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Mm, that's a great question. Um, definitely a learner. Um, I'm also a bit of achiever, like in that I, again, I'm always striving for, that's kind of why the whole, I need to do something different <laughs> after time. Um, I, uh, I do think I relate well with people and that I do take a beat to try to figure out 
where are they really coming from? What's the intent here? And trying to assume the positive intent that like, and um, so I guess I would say someone who, I guess I have a little bit of my own emotional intelligence, but, but also more importantly, I can um, empathize uh, with other people and kind of get why someone might be acting the way that they're acting right now. If it's an unpredictable situation, I can say, take a step back and say, it's not about me. I think it's more about, you know, X, Y, Z and, you know, see if, see if I'm right. So yeah, a listener, good friend, um, you know, I have a moderately good sense of humor and <laughs> those yeah. things. Right on. So let me ask you this. Let's get to the good business here. If anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, reach out. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So um, uh, my website is elmtreeed.com. Um, you can find me there and kind of see some of the courses I have online available right now. I have a free resource for folks who want to make their physical classroom space more student-centered. Um, and I have some new things that I'm going to be rolling out uh, in 2024. So depending on when your listeners is hearing this, they might be seeing some more resources when it comes to uh, uh, some of the early foundational literacy skills that I'm that I'm going to be putting out. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram at Elm Tree Ed. Uh, and I do have a YouTube channel where I am putting these little lit bit segments that I'm calling them. So teachers ask me anonymous questions and I try to answer them in just like five to 10 minutes, like something quick cool. yeah. about literacy. And then I can also turn that into a blog post that goes on the website. But um, that's also uh, the YouTube channel is also Elm Tree Ed. So uh, yeah, so those are the, the places that you can find me. Wonderful. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out today to, to give us your story and have a great 2024. Oh, you too. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.